Listen, there has never been a better time to invest in self-storage and there is no better team than ours to show you how to do it because we wrote the book on how to invest in self-storage. Literally, I created the best-selling home study system back in 2007 titled How to Find, Evaluate, Purchase, and Manage Self-Storage Facilities. And since then, we have helped thousands of people launch and scale their self-storage business and have now become the nation's go-to resource for all things self-storage. And that's because we not only talk the talk, we walk the walk day in and day out since 2005 through now two recessions and amassing a two point five million square feet of self-storage, totaling over 15,000 doors nationwide. There is nobody else that has more experience in self-storage that is teaching people how to invest in self-storage than our team. So if you're ready to launch and scale your self-storage business, then go to selfstorageinvesting.com. Click on the events tab to grab your ticket to the upcoming self-storage academy, along with tickets to our virtual academy for those who can't make it or just aren't ready to go live at this time. So that again is selfstorageinvesting.com. Click on the event tab, but do it now as seating is limited. So go do it now. And on behalf of my team, we look forward to seeing you then. Take care. This is the Self Storage Podcast, where we share the knowledge and skills from the industry's leading investors, developers, and operators to help you launch and grow your self-storage business. I'm your host, Scott Myers, and over the past 16 years, we have acquired, developed, converted, and syndicated over 2 million square feet of self-storage nationwide with the help of my incredible team at selfstorageinvesting.com, who has helped thousands of people achieve greatness in self-storage. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Self Storage Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Myers, and this week's guest is Raul Balouf. Raul launched his career by working in sales at his father's car dealership, and even though he was doing quite well, he wanted to start building something rather than working Sundays and holidays as he was already approaching burnout early on in his 20s. So he came across a real estate podcast that changed everything for him. So he found a mentor and began flipping houses. And over the years, he has wholesaled, flipped, and now owns over 500 rental properties through his company, Capital Rise Investments. He is a huge fan of Profit First and loves to travel the world with his newfound freedom and cash flow. So without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Raul Balouf. Hey, Raul, good to see you again. Welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, Scott. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm glad we had an opportunity to catch up. We have a mutual friend in the real estate, the social media landscape, and glad that we made the connection. It's been great to learn a little bit more about what you're doing. And I filled everybody in with your bio on the, the front end, but if you would, why don't you do a little deeper dive and tell us what you've been up to recently, and more importantly, where are you headed in 2022 in your market? Yeah, well... That's a good question. I mean, as we all know, this real estate market has been going bananas. So I think it's a perfect time to talk about it. But for me personally, what we've been doing is finding as many deals, discounted deals as possible off market properties. And we really ramped up the buying side of it. So buying passive income properties and really just focus on that. I know there's plenty of distractions when it comes to and crypto, et cetera, et cetera. But really, I've just been focused on real estate full force for the last eight years. I haven't really turned my head too much. So anything revolved around real estate, making passive income or flipping things like that, that's what we're doing, man. Growing the team and trying to find as many good deals as possible. So really kept it simple. What does your funnel look like and what are your marketing efforts look like? We all have this chase to find uh, as many off-market deals as possible without giving away all your secrets. So tell us how you've been able to successfully fill the funnel and, you know, and find all the off-market opportunities. Yeah. You know, just like a lot of investors, we've tried a lot of different things. Google ads is still number one for us basically just marketing on Google, paying for the clicks in different markets that seem to make sense. We kind of opened it up as like a nationwide campaign to find good deals anywhere. As long as the numbers make sense, it's a good deal in Georgia, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, wherever. So that's one thing. And the other thing that we've been doing is really... So we have mainly a sales organization. So we have full-time recruiter and we're recruiting new salespeople every single week. And these salespeople go and do the prospecting for us. 
So, and they get a paid commission on the back end. So those are really the two main markets is both the Google ads and hitting the recruiting pretty hard and giving opportunities to these folks to come in here and crush it, learn real estate and also do deals with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's all about, as they say, uh, traffic and conversion. And there's a whole events uh, surrounding that as well. <laughs> so it's one thing to you know, get the marketing out there and to get the ads out there. So I, I want to focus on both of those. We haven't spent a lot of time doing a deep dive on that. So Google, you say you're spending uh, most of your money on uh, Google ads. What percentage of your overall marketing budget online would you say is Google ads? And then where are you, are you focusing and spending the balance of those marketing dollars? Yeah. So we're about 80% of our marketing budget would be on Google ads. And then when I say Google ads, that's a mix of Google ads, Bing ads, and YouTube ads. That's all in one. That's in that 80%. As I mentioned, in that Google ads, 80%, it's like a nationwide thing. We excluded some rural markets. So we're, our ads only pop up on markets. The counties have 100,000 or more people. So any counties that are smaller than that, we usually don't pop up there. So that helps. And then the rest of our marketing budget, the other 20% is doing some text message marketing and doing some, sorry, indirect mail. So that's what makes up our marketing dollars to get deals in today's market, you know, live February, 2022. This is what has been working the best. Mm-hmm. So Google ads, if they're interested in selling their property with a phone number, a website, and then they come into your salespeople into your sales floor, correct? That's right. We use this app called Callingly, which is pretty cool. And so mm-hmm. we set up our Google ads, right? And then let's say someone puts like, sell my self-storage unit in Florida. So boom, mm-hmm. you get the ad. Callingly is connected to your website and you'll mm-hmm. automatically get a phone call on your cell phone and you'll be able to call the seller within a minute. And then mm-hmm. if they don't answer another minute and another minute. So that rule of, hey, you need to answer these leads, these motivated property leads quickly, calling this app helps us. I'm not affiliated at all with them, but it's helped us a lot. So yeah, to answer your question, Google leads comes in and then it comes into our world and we're called like, basically our system calls them automatically right away. So we can get on them on the phone and get to the bottom of it, see if they really want to sell and all these things. So your salespeople, you're constantly recruiting and looking for good salespeople, bringing them in, assuming they have a sales background and then feeding them a script to go through and then giving them a follow-up process. Talk a little bit about the rest of your structure and follow-up incentive programs. How have you created an effective call center in a sales team? Yeah, ooh, I love this topic. Okay, so uh, we're real deep in this. So the basically how our, our sales system works is we've got three tiers. We have tier one, which is our closers, basically people who have proven to us that they've been able to close deals effectively. In our company, this is people who have closed $250,000 worth of revenue or more. Once they've closed that, then they can enter tier one, which means that these individuals, they get all the paid leads. So when the good self-storage lead, property lead comes up, they're the ones who get that. Tier two and tier three are kind of like some of the newer people that come in and maybe have done one or two deals. They'll go to tier two and the very, very new people go to tier three. And the difference is really just the quality of leads. Tier two gets kind of like the warmer leads, people who answered or submitted a form, but we never got in contact with things like that. And tier three gets pretty much like, like a completely cold or old list. Mm-hmm. And tier two and tier three get both a 15% commission structure. Mm-hmm. So they'll get 15% of the deal. And then tier one gets a little bit less from 12 to 14, but they get fed hot leads every day. Okay. And you mentioned there's an opportunity and some of your recruiting, you allow some of the sales floor, the folks to be able to get involved in some of these projects with you too. Is that correct? Did I hear that correctly? Yeah. Tier one individuals can do that. 
pretty much it's about like every four deals that the company purchases for like hold as a rental or hold or do as a flip, we allow a tier one salesperson to jump in with us, but they have to put in a capital investment of at least $10,000. Perfect. Good. We wanted to, we really want to give opportunity to our guys to come in and join deals. Mm-hmm. So your sales folks, are they truly sourcing leads or are some of these folks trained to go to the next level to do some underwriting and some analysis to determine truly there's a difference between an opportunity and a deal to act on? Are you training the sales staff to do some of that either back of the napkin math or a little bit deeper dive? Or does that immediately go over to another department or underwriters and other folks to do the analysis? Yeah, amazing question. So tier three, which is kind of like the newer folks, they're really just kind of scraping up leads, just making calls, gathering info. You really start to learn how to analyze and underwrite deals once you've done about a deal or two. And when I say that, it's when you get a lead in our company, when you get a lead, you're talking to somebody, you have to get it closed by tier one person for the first two or three deals. And as you're doing this over time, you go and you sit behind them and you watch how our top salesperson will underwrite a deal and you just start learning. And that is our training process to get our people to learn how to underwrite deals so they could do it eventually on their own in our company or elsewhere. So that is the goal. So basically just by shadowing, just by osmosis, having people in the office, you got your four or five people that know how to analyze and close their own deals. So you got the people that don't know, they just sit behind them when they have deals and they just start seeing how they underwrite it, the spreadsheet offers, how to present the offer what not to offer, not to offer too low, not to offer too high, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we basically do the same thing for our folks. We do give them the abilities to all our folks when they go through training on the sales side on our acquisitions department. You know, we, the model is uh, the same and any, just about any organization that effectively teaches anybody in any position, which is, Hey, we're going to teach you how to do it. And, you know, show you how to do it. Then we're going to do alongside of you while you do it. And, you know, look over your shoulder and and then we're going to let you do it. And we're going to kind of tweak it. Or I should say, watch how we do it. We're going to teach it to you. Watch how we do it. And you look over our shoulder and then you get to do it. And we'll look over your shoulder and then I'm making any adjustments uh, from there. And so doing that a number of times and it's the buddy system and pairing somebody up with another seasoned person in our organization, as you just mentioned, is absolutely a key. And then it's just the best way for that stuff to stick. And it doesn't stop. We're constantly tweaking and learning not only the sales side and the sales skills, but also the technical and the underwriting piece, because sometimes it's just one or two things that they may miss in terms of an opportunity that could have been a deal that just goes by by the wayside. So there is no substitute for that handholding as it goes along the way. So your folks are good. You're sourcing a lot of deals. Are you able to take down all of the opportunities and or deals that come in? Or are you a wholesaling organization where you're wholesaling out to other investors as well? Or is everything kept in-house? Good question. No. So we are basically wholesaling most of our deals to other buyers. And then as we mentioned from the beginning of the conversation, since last year, kind of some of the things that we're recently doing is basically we're growing out our home buying team, which is our capital, private capital, regular capital, personal capital. We're kind of growing that like that. We can be purchasing more of these properties to flip them, rent them, hold them for long-term income, do Airbnbs, all these other exit strategies that come with this beautiful world of real estate that money's not what it used to be. Deals are not what they used to be. There's so many different exits now. And I don't know, it's just amazing. So basically that's what we're doing. We're focusing on building that. So no, we do not buy every property. We do source a lot of them to investors and our goal is to probably purchase a few more this year to keep and make some extra revenue on. 
So Raul, is that a function of where the economy is heading? We've seen, we've been through two recessions now and we're heading into our third. And this is the time where we feel that there's going to be a lot more opportunities slash deals coming up where we're going to be able to pull some properties in that we definitely, more that we want to keep than we would sell in say a short term or one, two, three, four years. Is that model for you a function of where we're heading in terms of the economic cycle? Or is it just a how your business has uh, matured or tell us how that ratio has switched and what is uh, the reason behind that? Yeah, I think it's just a function of generating cash. It's just become so much easier. Once you get to the point that you find so many good opportunities and you pass them along for wholesale, it's fine. Or you pass them along to other investors, it's completely fine. And there can be a big chunk of that that you do. But really, if you want to just generate more cash, the simplest way is a vertical integrated business and mm-hmm. fixing and flipping goes perfectly, right? You get the deals. It's a whole different business, don't get me wrong. It's not wholesaling at all. It's for me, it's like way harder. I'm not the best rehabber at all. I'm still like learning and process. Even though I've done close to a hundred, I suck at it. And so it's just a perfectly nice like marriage of two businesses. And as far as where the economy is going and why, why not? Could there be a lot more deals that we can pick that we're going to like foreclosure, short sales, who knows? Possibly, but I'm not going to wait for that. I'm just going to do what I got to do right now to make as much cash, create as much revenue for myself, the team and create a bigger savings, bigger bankroll. And if more deals come out, wonderful. If they don't come out, cool, I'm already in the game. Mm-hmm. Yep, understood. You have to be prepared for it. And it's always all about the front end. It's always, always been about the front end. You continue to fill your funnel and you get really, really good at marketing. Uh, the more opportunities that come across your desk, the more opportunities you have to be able to determine what to do with them afterwards, whether it be a wholesale, something that is flipped uh, quickly or something that is buy and hold and create value in and enjoy cash flow in a more passive manner. But it all starts with having a good funnel and a marketing system. So, you know, Raul, you've been doing this for a number of years. What would you say is maybe the one or two really key secrets or just absolute must-haves in terms of funnel and the sales side of the business to make sure that you're getting out there and having those opportunities and a chance to be able to win those opportunities? Yeah. Man, just stay focused on finding the deal. Okay. I mm-hmm. mean, the sales is obviously very important. That's part of this, right? It's finding the lead, finding the deal, creating the sale by speaking to the seller, et cetera. But I would say if, if you could stay focused on finding the deal, and I know some people talk about reverse wholesaling, which or reverse real estate, let's call it, it is finding the buyer first and finding the deal later. That's fine. It's a viable business model. What I'm preaching and to answer your question is I've always just been obsessed with finding deals. Like really focus on that. What does that make up? Well, that makes up how do I find these individuals who want to sell their property? Well, it's off market, on market, it could be a realtor, it could be a seller, it could be a whomever. How do I find these people? Really get to know that. There's absentee owners, tax delinquent, the vacant properties, all the stuff that you can find on lists. And then how do I speak to these individuals to make them the best offer and to find out what the root of the problem is to see if we're even a fit? If you just focus on those two things, and just become obsessed with finding the good deal, you can literally have negative dollars in your bank account like I did. And you'll eventually, you'll have so many opportunities that can come up. So whatever part of real estate that you're looking into getting into, or whatever part you're doing right now, if you just become obsessed with finding the deal, I truly believe you'll never be out of business and you'll never be broke. You'll always have an abundance of money coming your way and abundance of opportunities. If you really just laser focus on finding deals, finding great deals. Yeah, I agree 100%. It all starts with that. And so many of the folks that we work with and, and even in our education side of the business, when they get started, everybody wants to, they have to create a logo and they have to come up with a company name and they have to have the business plan 100% completed 
and you know on and on and on and they're aim 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 and they never fire and they never get into business and it's like no you have to have a couple things in place but you need to go out and find a deal and that's what how you get into business <laughs> by the time you get something under contract you can set up an LLC and you can go to closing in a short amount of time frame you know after that you don't have to do everything else up first it's all about the marketing and finding the deal first and yeah if you get really good at that you're not going to starve period I, I would agree 100% it's fun too. Like once you get into the groove of it and you find a deal that was not on the market, I don't know, it just becomes a fun game. It is. I mean, that's, I'm all about competition. And anytime you get a deal, you win a deal. Even if I say win a deal, if nobody else is bidding against it, I still won because I found it. My competition didn't. There's just a, an excitement and the elation that comes with that. And anytime you find one of those, it's like I beat my competition because I didn't even know about this. And yeah, it's a good feeling. So as we head into the balance of 2022, is it steady as she goes? Are you ramping up um, in any one area of the business or another right now, in addition to looking at properties that you're going to hold? I'll say the recruiting side, we really want to ramp up the opportunities that we can provide for people that join our company. Something that really fires me up is I've always wanted to grow this organization from within to without. So meaning breed our people as well as we possibly could, myself included. Like that, we can service our customers, sellers, buyers, et cetera, as good as we can. So to answer, we want to grow our people base. And last year, we had two people that started at less than six figures and made more than six figures in the year. And if I could do two or three of that every single year, I have two, three new people make mm-hmm. six-figure incomes when they never did. I know it's kind of like a maybe a different answer than some people were hoping, but that's what we're really going on, going big on is just our people. Because I believe if we take care of them, they take care of us. They'll find us deals. We can all create profits revenue together. Well, there will no surprises here, but not everybody. Many people are struggling to find good people. The job market right now is uh, difficult. It is competitive out there and really finding on those folks, you know, in this side of the business on the acquisition side that have that drive. Is there any particular source or place that you're having luck in finding those folks that fit your corporate culture, that have that drive, that want to better themselves, want to learn about real estate? Where are you finding those folks? Yeah. So we found that to find these folks, it really becomes a volume game. We've tried, perhaps we weren't the best at it, but we've tried doing the long interview process, three, four interviews to hire that one person, send me a video, come for three interviews, write me what you're good at. We've tried all that. And then they leave three days later. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So what we decided to do was we decided to just hire an in-house recruiter, someone that we pay a salary and his Mm -hmm. sole purpose here is to recruit as many great individuals as possible that fit our company cultures, that fit the certain criteria. Just recruit. And we run Indeed ads. We run ads on Craigslist, Indeed mainly. And we run Indeed ads. He calls them, does a phone interview, brings them in. They do a shadowing session. And if you do enough of those every single week, you'll get people that love the energy when they come in here. You'll get people that love the vibe, love what we're doing. And they'll eventually ask us questions to stay and ask us questions to. So we're kind of, we take a passive approach. We bring as much people as we want in the end of it. We're like, Hey, if you want it, you call me, you tell me. And then you won't believe how many people Mm -hmm. call that basically are fit to start joining. Yeah, there has to be some initiative there. And in our job description, you know, we try to be as specific as possible so that there's no gray areas. It's pretty clear. This is what the role is. And so when some folks are just looking for a job and they're spraying and praying, you know, sending resumes out anywhere and everywhere. And it's just like, wait a minute, you shine horseshoe, used horseshoes for a living and you want to come work in our real estate organization? It doesn't make any sense. And so, and that we'll give them a homework assignment. And if they don't fill that out, then they don't get an interview. It means that they didn't even bother to read through the job description or that second phone call to be prepared for this or that. 
But then we go through a predictive index to make sure that the culture matches, the personality matches. And that also means it has to match the principal in our organization and who's carrying out that vision. So we've gotten a lot better at doing that. And we found that you're right, it, no matter what, it's a volume game. But we want to try to dial that back as much as possible so that we get the right people in the right seat and get to that place just as quickly as possible. So we are pretty particular and it's not as many interviews as you mentioned, but it's really just some front end homework up front that really cuts down on that amount to make sure that it's a fit before we spend a lot of time. And unfortunately, as we have in the past, waste a lot of time with folks that just weren't the right candidate to begin with that should have even had an opportunity. So it's not the easiest task these days, but there are some fantastic folks out there as long as you get the right folks that are a fit for your organization. That's the key. Yeah. And I just like, at this point, I think most of us here on this call, we know, like we can listen to podcasts about marketing or real estate marketing or how to find more properties. Like, I don't want to say it's easy, but most of the marketing is fairly simple. Something that can be learned fairly quickly, right? It's nothing too complex. So if we wanted to generate an extra hundred leads, you and I, we could both fill it out or anyone else listening to, for the most part, we could both figure it out. But really, if we generate another hundred leads, what matters is servicing them, making mm-hmm. sure that these individuals who are calling us or texting us, you know, get a good phone call, a good appointment, yeah. in-person appointment, whatever. And for that, mm-hmm. you need people. So yeah. I just get banging my head against the wall. Like, okay, we increased marketing, but we didn't do more revenue. Okay, we increased yeah. marketing, but we get more good deals. How do we get more good deals? Like, well, if we had more people to like really follow up, talk to these people yeah. and nurture them. Yeah. That's 100%. what led to that decision. Yeah, 100%. All right. Well, Raul, I want to learn a little bit more about what you're doing and perhaps maybe even apply. That's the focus of this podcast right now. And they kind of like uh, what you're doing down there. What's the best way for folks to get in touch with you? Yeah, you can check me out on my Instagram at Raul Balufe or my YouTube channel, Raul Balufe. So it's my name, R-A-U-L-B-O-L-U-F-E. You can pretty much write there to me on Instagram or YouTube and I will respond fairly quickly. Perfect role. And we will put that all in the show notes as well. So with that, any parting words of wisdom that you would like to share with the storage nation out there today? Well, Scott, thanks for having me on. I think it's awesome what you do here and and do that. I would say wherever you're at in your journey, whether you're going to do your first deal or your thousandth deal, it really comes a lot with belief. I know we talked a lot about technical, which I love talking about technical things, like how to find it, what to say, what text to write. That's great. But ultimately, what has helped me is belief. And I'm nowhere where I want to be as far as career-wise, but just having that internal confidence, like, okay, I'm going to do this, or I want to do this, or this is how many properties I want to have, or how much passive income I want to have. If you really have that belief in you and you just go for it daily, you're a lot more likely to make that come true. Good words to live by. And I would just add to that and uh, keep the naysayers at bay because many folks, as you continue to do that every day, some folks that don't want you to achieve that because it doesn't make them feel as good about themselves. And then those folks are out there. So keep striving and keep achieving and surround yourself with good people. So appreciate that role. No Thanks for your time today, my friend. Good to see you again. And glad we we're able to catch up and learn a little bit more, do a deeper dive so our audience can hear a little bit more about what you're doing down there as well. So appreciate you. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Scott. All right, take care. Hey gang, wait three things before you leave. First, don't forget to subscribe to the Self Storage Podcast and turn on your notifications so you never miss another episode. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review if you like the show. Second, be sure to share your favorite episodes and more via Instagram and don't forget to tag us. And lastly, head to the links in the show description and hit the follow and subscribe button on Twitter and Facebook to get a front row seat as we grow and scale our business and bring you along with us. Take care.